0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Voorst, and I'm one of the pastors at Life Church and your host for the podcast as well. And I just need to apologize right off the bat because I am quarantined in my house as I record this, and my nicer microphone is back at my office. And so the sound here is going to be just a little bit different than normal. So I appreciate your patience with that. Uh, I want to say happy Easter. He is risen. Has risen indeed, and I'm grateful for that, and uh, if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time, and all of what I just said is really confusing to you, uh, you're in the right place, and we want you to engage with us, even if you have questions, you have doubts about faith, you have doubts about the resurrection, about Easter, and what it all means, uh, like I said, you are in the right place, and in a safe place to ask those questions, and to engage with us in that way. Uh, Nathan gave us a wonderful message on Easter, and uh, he encourages us to encounter Jesus, maybe in a brand new way, or maybe for the first time. So I hope you can enjoy this message. Also, I want to encourage you to subscribe if you'd like to give. Uh, You can do that by clicking on the links in our show page. But for now, here is Pastor Nathan with our Easter message.
1: Happy Easter, everyone. Man, I'm ready. I don't know if you are, but you can have a seat. Thank you for being here. Man, thank you, ladies, for leading us and team. You know, there's a reason why the women were the first ones to the tomb, so they were able to lead us there as well. Man, I am grateful that you are here. First of all, no matter if you are coming for the very first time online or in person, no matter if you haven't been able to be here in a year because of the pandemic, maybe you're coming back after being gone for a while, or you've been here every week in person or online, I want you to know something. You belong. That's so important to us that you know you belong here, that you can engage, that you can engage at whatever level you're ready to, and that you are welcome, truly welcome here. If you belong to God, then you belong to us and with us, and so we are honored. That you are here with us if you are new or you haven't been here in a while could you fill out a connect card you can do that online there's a link going up right now as well as in the room our now page lifechurchcanton.org now has all our announcements meet the pastor all the things you want to sign up for you can do that there let us know that you are here and maybe if you're online you need prayer there's an opportunity for you to get prayer even while i'm preaching we want you to encounter jesus and we're here to position you to do that so if you are feeling like you need prayer in the moment do that. Man, I am grateful you are here to one of the greatest series I've ever done. I love it. We do it almost every year. It's the Cross Equals Love series. This symbol is the greatest symbol of love in all human history. The greatest symbol of love in all of human history is the cross, and it's just something that we want to be known for. We want to be the church that you drive by. You go, that's the Cross Equals Love Church. And every year, I kid you not, every year we do this, somebody resonates with this symbol so much they get it tattooed on their body. And I am not kidding. The person who's done that is sitting right here. You can just lift up your arm real high. There you go. Now, if you're a kid, I got my first tattoo when I was 30. So you should get your first tattoo after 30. That's for the parents in the room. Man, this symbol means something. And I hope that excitement is rising in you. And maybe you're just getting a piece of it, just a feeling of it. Like, man, why are these people so excited? Because this, this is so good. I I hope you have kind of like this childlike wonder about Easter. I know I do. When I was a kid, um, we moved a lot. But one of the traditions that I remember is what we did with our Easter basket. We did Easter eggs once in a while, but mostly our Easter basket was just chock full of that little cheap green grass and candy. We just loved it. Well, what my dad would do on Sunday afternoons, uh, he would actually go and hide these baskets all over the house, the three kids, and then he would get post-it notes out, and he would spend what felt like an eternity writing out these rhyming clues for every one of the kids, sometimes six or seven of them per kid, and they all had to rhyme, and they were all perfect. And what we would do is after an eternity waiting for dad to finish, we'd come out together, and we would read these post-it notes, and we'd go on this treasure hunt. We didn't know how many there were. We didn't know how long it would take us, but at the end was the best thing you can give a kid of that age, which is candy, and it felt like Easter. That's when it felt like Easter to me, and that's transferred so much to my walk with Christ, and I hope that that's What you recognize is that there is something about Easter that's a gift that God is inviting you to explore. In fact, this book, from the very beginning to the end, is like those post-it notes, these moments of pointing after Jesus, saying, look, this is something is going to happen on Easter. There's a day when this is going to come to pass, and that is what we celebrate. So I'm grateful that you are here. Now, this book also has some biographies in it, one of them is John, written by a guy named John. He wrote about Jesus' life, walked with him. Then later, he wrote to a bunch of people who followed him, like us, in a letter called 1 John. In this series, we've been running through that chapter, and that chapter in and its, of itself is like that. It's this post note of like, look, there's something I want to tell you. There's something I want to tell you. I want you to get ready. And by the end, I hope that you will encounter what I did reading through this text So let's get right into it. I want you to know that we've walked kind of through this chapter, 1 John 3, and there are sermons that you can watch that help tease out some of the things I'm going to share right now. In fact, those who've seen all of these are going to be able to experience this in a new and fresh way. The cross equals love. So much more for those who believe in Jesus. We get to experience a kind of love that's incredible. We learn that the love of God has been poured out onto every single person. For those who receive it, they're called children of God, not just in title, but in reality, adopted into the family and co heirs with Jesus in a new kingdom. It's something we didn't deserve, but that we get to live into. If you follow Jesus, you are a child of God in reality and an in inheritance. And because of Jesus, We've been liberated from the brokenness, the penalty, the practice, and even a preference for sinful things or things that are apart from what God has planned for us. Sin is a broken thing, and it's not just something you do. It's something that's like inside of you, kind of like a a cancer growing inside of you. And because of Jesus, because of what he's done, we've been liberated to become more pure, more holy, more righteous. And because of that, because we've experienced a love like this, hate should not come out of us. We're challenged in the series by Pastor Jared and Pastor Daniel not to let hate come out of our mouth or through our fingers into Facebook or wherever it goes, but instead to love a hard challenge. We're reminded of Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother Abel. And that when we hate or let hate come out of us, we're of the same heart as Cain and that he's called us to love differently. He said, look, Cain did this. Don't be like Cain. Don't be like a murderer. But be like what? Like Jesus. This symbol of love is a symbol of sacrifice. And John is begging us, imploring us, be loving like Jesus is loving. We get caught up in our preferences. We get caught up in our opinions or our political party or whatever. And it's hard for us to lay those down for the sake of care for another person. And that's a long distance from the cross where Jesus gave up his entire life, everything, and laid it down for us. Then he invited us to love like that. That sounds scary and awesome and exciting, but that is what we're called to, this journey of sacrificial love. Here's what we learned last week, and it's been bugging me, And I'll say it out loud, and uh, it's kind of easy, hard to say sometimes, but it's easier to like Jesus than to love like him. And it's easier to love Jesus than to love like him. It's easier to like him than to love him, and it's easier to love him than to love others like he loved us. But that is the call on our life. Why was this important? Jesus had to die for us. There was a penalty, a price that needed to be paid for you and me, for the broken things, the the moral depravity in our life, the the connection we had to sin, it had to be paid for. So Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, he was perfect, lived a perfect life, and he came to die on the cross once and for all to pay that price. It was perfect, but it was also incredibly powerful, tearing the veil between us and God, shaking the world physically and earthquakes and shaking us even to this day in our spirit. When we encounter God, something incredible happens to us. And that's what I want for you to experience. Even if you're watching this later, you're in your own home, or you're in the room, maybe for the first time, I want you to encounter Jesus. What I've been doing in this series is kind of hearkening back to the previous series. We're asking challenging questions. Here's a challenging question for you from the previous uh, uh, sermon. Did you talk? Did you sit around the table? And decide how you appropriate that love of God, love of Jesus into your finances. Sacrificial love is something that we're supposed to do in every area of life, but he's called us to be sacrificial in the way that we love with our money. Where did we leave John? We left John standing at the foot of Jesus as he died on Good Friday. We left him there, left him there with with about four or five women, and John abandoned by everyone, dying. Then he did die. On Good Friday, he died and was buried in a tomb. And everyone around him thought that it was over. They thought that hope had died when Jesus, the person they looked up to, who said he was God, who they thought was God, but is he God if he dies? Hope seemed to die with them. And you may feel no hope in your life that things will get better you're in good company with the people who would be celebrated for thousands of years. Though they had abandoned God, and though everything had died, and they thought it was over, it wasn't over. And they became the people who led us into the future that we write about, that we read about, and yet even they had doubts. So even if you have doubts now, know that Friday wasn't the end. Sunday was coming. And on Sunday, why we're celebrating is that Jesus beat death, and rose again. That's a big deal. It's everything. It's everything. It's why we exist. He truly died, and he rose again, sharing his power over life and death with us, showing that when we follow him, we can have eternal life and freedom from sin. Yes, but we can have new life now, That's what we are driven by. We're driven by seeing transformation in people's lives, by seeing them overcome sin, addiction, brokenness, bitterness, depression. It's been incredible. Last week, we had four people give their lives to Jesus alone, just last week. And more will give some today. I talked to someone um, after the service just a while ago, and they said that um, they had lost a loved one when they were very young on Easter. And Easter has not been something that they've been able to celebrate. In fact, they even felt... Shame for not being excited about Easter. And they shared with me uh, in between that they felt that God had met them in this moment and that they were able to celebrate new life in Jesus. That is true transformation. That's what God does. He frees us from the hurt, wounds, and brokenness in our lives. Now, I want us to be excited about this. And I'm the kind of guy who likes responses. I like people yelling out at me. Unless it has anything to do with Michigan, then I don't want to hear it, okay? <laughs> I love it but there's an old church tradition one that if you do it over and over again it can become rote and also lose its meaning but there was this beautiful thing that a pastor or a priest would do where he'd yell something out and the people would yell it back and the purpose of that call and response wasn't just so everyone would play along although that's part of it but it was so that we would remind ourselves of the hope that we have found in jesus and so I want to invite you, whether you know what I'm about to do or not, to participate. Because when you participate, you are participating in this symbol of love. So it goes like this: the first, first person says he is risen, and the second person or the crowd says he is risen indeed. And you got to say indeed as if like you're excited about it. indeed. You yeah, I don't know how you want to say it, but you got to say he is risen indeed. So we're going to practice that. We're going to do it twice. And my hope is that it gets better each time online. Do it too, okay? Just shout it out wherever you're at. Scare some people. It'll be really good. So here we go. First person, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay, wow, great start. Let's do this one more time. And and again, allow yourself to feel that hope and joy fill up within you. He is risen. He is risen
0: indeed.
1: Indeed, indeed. I hope that you are encountering Jesus even if it's just by the feeling in this room. I want to go back into chapter 3 and go through the last po- uh, like post-it notes, those last couple clues, and I want you to feel the anticipation of what we're celebrating coming at the end. First John 3, 23, says this, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us if I could communicate one thing only about what it means to follow Jesus, it is this, that we love one another, but first, that we believe in Jesus Christ. Believe is to have confidence in, to have faith in, to entrust with your life. It doesn't seem like there is much to believe in in this world. We have become pretty jaded. The older I get, the more jaded I get about believing in anything, believing. You know, the, the closest thing I can remember that's close to when my belief in something finally kind of came to pass was I believed that the Browns someday would not be terrible as a football <laughs> team, and they did make it to the finals. Now, next year's probably going to all fall apart, but, like, there's just nothing, right? Imagine in this world, you don't probably believe in politics anymore. You probably don't believe in some of the organizations you had trust in. This world is falling apart. But this is saying, John's like, believe in something. Believe in something that's eternal and that's true. Believe in Jesus Christ. To believe in Jesus Christ, that he was the son of God, meaning God and man, means to believe that it is good news, the gospel, good news about Jesus. That because He came, because he was God's son, he came to save us, and he could. Because of that, to save us from our moral failings, from our brokenness and our wounds, because of that, we can trust in him. And by trusting in these things, we will experience something new, a new life based on a solid rock, something that we can put our hope into. To believe is to say that the man Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. The historical figure who existed is actually the Savior, the person, the rescuer, fully God and fully man. Because he was perfect in every single way, in attitude and in action, he was able to, one, not be sinful like us, but also to sacrifice everything, his very life, so that we might have life. We could never be perfect. Born into sin and then reaffirming our self destructive behavior again and again when we lie, when we get angry, when we hurt, when we steal. Reaffirming that we are stuck in this cancer of a sin, but Jesus, who was perfect, died. Someone I respect greatly says this Christ's complete brokenness for our complete healing. What does that mean? Jesus, he was tortured, beaten, broken, left on a cross to die, suffocated, and died. Why? To pay for you. He was broken completely down so that you might have new life. In fact, John, in his biography, the other book, wrote about Jesus, and this is what he said in John 20, 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in his name. Sunday, Easter, is a celebration that a payment has been made. The loans have been paid off. The brokenness is gone, that we have resurrected life in him. Easter isn't just that he paid for the price, but that he died, rose up, and now he has victory over death, and we can have victory inside of him. John, in the letter, is saying, look, because these things are true, we must be obedient. We must live in it. My question, before we get there at all, is as we celebrate Easter, I want to ask you, do you have life in Jesus Christ? Do you have life in him? This is not a rhetorical question. This is the most important question you'll ever ask. Do you have new life in Jesus Christ? 1 John 3, 24. The first half, it says this. So, love one another. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. He's reminding them of what he already wrote. Hey, we've got to be sacrificial in love. We can't be full of hate. We've got to do what he commands, which is love one another. And if we are obedient to his commands, he lives with us and we live in him. Keep his commands. Two, belief in Him results in doing as God commands us to do. One scholar says this, No one may dare to claim that he lives in Christ and Christ in Him unless he is obedient to the three fundamental commands that John in his letters laying out. Belief in Christ is number one. Two, love for the brothers and sisters. And three, moral Righteousness exercising that new life in a way where you grow and transform and become more and more righteous, more and more pure. We talked about heavy things in these sermons, to overcome hate in our hearts, in our actions and our thoughts, to love sacrificially, to order our life around the cross, where we give of our finances, but not just our finances, but the way we love other people, that we appropriate sacrificial love, which is for the benefit of others into us. That is so atypical not only atypical it goes against our nature which is broken by sin to love others for their sake and not for our own then to overcome sin and moral failings these are difficult but he challenges us to that second he says abide in him most of us think we're just getting out of jail free and we forget that we've been invited back into a relationship with God the Father, the person who made us, the person who knows who we are. If I were, I would tell you this right now, you have never experienced what it means to be you as you were created unless you have a growing relationship with God. It's like you having half a lung, not one lung, half a lung, and you've never bro- breathed fully. You've never taken a deep breath inside of you. Can you imagine if you had a collapsed lung and only half a lung was working, and all of a sudden you took a breath and all of your lungs were working and you filled yourself up, and you felt that energy just flow through you, and you feel like, wow, well, I can run now. I can do this now. That's what it's like to have this relationship with God. You were born into a life not knowing who you were, and never experiencing, so when people get saved, they lose their minds. Why? Because they're experiencing new life, and it comes from knowing your Father, not just being saved, but knowing Him, speaking to Him. I love an old uh, saint said this: "We have been called to the depths of Christ, just as surely as we have been called to salvation." So John saying, "Listen, listen, you've got to obey." And you've got to grow in your understanding of God. This is the second half, the last post-it note, the Easter egg, the Easter basket. What I've been leading to this entire time is in the back half of verse 24. I'll read the first half again. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. It'd be easy to miss this. It'd be easy to move right on, to go to the next chapter, to miss what he's saying in this moment, that he's been building up to this. And it'd be easy to miss what Easter means for us. Just celebration and a nice ham and maybe some Easter eggs and a bunny, right? That could be. It's fun, it's a good day, it's a time for family. We could miss what God has offered us, not just the cross equals love, meaning our salvation, but that he rose again, and gave us new life for a purpose. Let me explain this a little bit more. But first, I want to read John 14, 15 through 17. This is, again, his biography, and he's reiterating what he had already said. So he's going to go into greater depth. Here we go. John 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, keep my commands. Does this sound familiar? It's the same author. I will ask the Father. Listen, this is Jesus talking. This is new. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. He's saying obey, live, but there's a way that you can do this. There's a way that you can experience this and it's through the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna take you back to the beginning of the trail. In Genesis, we had perfect relationship with God. We were naked and unashamed. We had everything that we could possibly need, and we chose something besides him and began a self-destructive behavior that has ended in divorce, cancer, world wars, the worst atrocities. The moment after we made that choice in Genesis, God showed up and said, look, you've made this choice, but I will redeem you. I will send my son to you and redeem you to me. I'm going to fix this then he selected a group of people to be set apart for him and then he brought them to a place where they could experience him and then he built a temple among them and said i'm going to live with you this isn't perfect yet but we're going to grow closer together because i'm going to be in the neighborhood i'm going to live in this temple and you have to do all these things to be around me but don't worry i'm showing you what's about to happen and then he sent his son jesus after thousands of years and he sent his son jesus and said jesus is here and he is my son, and he walked among you. I want to live in the neighborhood. I want to walk among you. Then Jesus, he died. He paid for everything. He covered us so we can experience God again. He rose to heaven, and then what did he do? He sent us the Holy Spirit. He wanted to live in the neighborhood. He wanted to walk with us, but then he sends the Holy Spirit to live in us, to connect with him again. If the cross equals love, then the Easter, then Easter equals hope. If the cross equals love, then Easter equals hope. His sacrifice put us right, but Easter, his rising again gives us hope. If death meant his our freedom, then his resurrection means our eternity. And John is asking us to do a lot. Remember that? He's saying believe, don't have hate in your heart and love. In fact, it seems like John is asking us to do more than we can do. In fact, he is. Without the Holy Spirit inside you, you can't do what Jesus is asking you to do or what John is asking you to do. You can't be morally pure. You can't be full of love. You cannot have true hope See, true hope is different than regular hope. Hope is like, hey, I have hope in things. I have hope in my job. I have hope in my, you know, account. I have hope in my family. But those things can fail you, whether they mean to or not. But hope in Jesus Christ never puts you to shame because he has expressed his love for you in your heart and he has a promise. See, John is saying, I'm gonna call you to a huge amount of things. This is so hard. You can't do it without the Spirit the Spirit is in you. You have received it from Jesus. So here's my question. For those who are Christians, do you rely on the Holy Spirit? Is he part of you every day? Do you acknowledge that he lives inside of you? Do you acknowledge that he is transforming you, that he wants to speak to you, that he wants to be your connection to God the Father, that he's God and he's part of the Trinity and he lives within you? I used to tell people, and I still do once in a while, I tell them to look down at their stomach. I'm not going to make you do that right now, but to look down at your stomach and then then just say, you're in there, aren't you? People are like, that's really weird. I'm like, it is weird. That God lives inside of you is very weird. But that's how he's redeeming you. Most of us, we are excited about Jesus and we forget a part of who Jesus is lives within us and John is reminding us of this. Here's the other thing that the Holy Spirit does inside of you, that I can't pluck out of myself and place in you, that no teaching, no self-help book, no nothing can do. I cannot give you hope in the way that can come from God who lives inside of you. Some of you in the room are right now saying there has to be more than life to this life or I can't go on. I can't go on. There's got to be more because I'm, I'm dying here. This has been a year of hardship, the cracks in our relationships, in our society, in our systems, our politics. The cracks that were there, They've been revealed by the magnifying glass of the pandemic. And that doesn't go outside the church. The church has been revealed for the brokenness within it, the humanness of it. And honestly, if the church was just about being human, about us creating a religion or adapting a religion, if it was just about us in our humanness trying to be good people, trying to do things right, we'd fail. The only reason why the church is the hope of the world is because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and to the degree to which we submit ourselves to what God is trying to do in our communities, in our families, in our relationships, in our world, and what we preach on the stage, to the degree we do that, is to the degree that true hope infiltrates into every aspect of our community. I believe in Jesus, and I believe in the Holy Spirit to guide us. I believe that when you encounter Jesus, When you meet him, you walk away different. You walk away transformed and full of hope and joy. The Holy Spirit lives within us, and we're not afraid of the pandemic revealing our brokenness. We knew it was there. We look forward to the opportunity to be transformed, to speak about difficult issues from this stage, to love in sacrificial ways. We will continue to position ourselves and to position you every time you come to experience the power of the Holy Spirit because it is not about what we do, but what God wants to do through us. And so we better be paying attention. And he's saying, listen, the Spirit of God is in you. Pay attention. So here's my action steps as we finish. This is what I want for you. I'm going to take a little longer on this because it's important. First, I encourage every person, no matter if you follow Jesus or not, to read the Gospel of John. It's the biography of Jesus. John wrote a Gospel. You can look it up online. I encourage you to read the NIV or the NLT version, something that you can understand, but to watch as the post notes lead to Jesus and beyond to what God wants to do in the church through the Holy Spirit. Read it. Second, follow Jesus today. Every single time we get together, we invite people to follow Jesus. But now, more than ever, it is important that you hear and that you listen the call of the Holy Spirit, the call of Jesus, the call of God on your life to live a new life and to be new. Why is this necessary? Why is a torture device, a death device, a shame device now mean love? Because someone had to pay for it. Sin, I talked about this earlier. The best way I can explain what sin is to you Besides a list of rules that keep you from having fun, that might be something you've heard or whatever. No, 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 what sin truly is. The way it is represented best in some kind of analogy is cancer. Cancer in the physical world does what cancer, what sin does in the spiritual world. See, cancer, it takes good things. It harnesses the body's ability to build, to rebuild, and it twists it, and it makes it into something that is ugly. It causes growths and tumors, and it causes organs to stop functioning correctly and eventually can even suffocate you. It kills the body it is in. Cancer takes the good in a body and kills it with it, and sin is the exact same way. It takes the good things that God has placed inside of you, your desire to feel secure, your desire to have purpose, your desire to feel love, and it twists it, and it breaks it down, and it causes it to multiply in unhealthy ways, and it suffocates you from the inside out. It destroys us. We were never meant to live this life apart from God and his influence, and yet since we are separated from God, all we are slaves to is the cancer growing in our soul. Cancer, sometimes those who've been in cancer and who have experienced it or those you're close to, it's it's horrible. And often you can know you have cancer and feel completely fine. My friend, like, you're not in chemo yet, but you're like, I feel fine. I don't feel any symptoms. I, I don't, I don't, recognize that something's inside of me. And for you, that might be how you feel. you got sin inside. You're like, I'm good. I'm good to go. Other times, people who are experiencing cancer, they're like, I know something's wrong. I can't breathe. I can't feel. There's something wrong. I'm getting headaches all the time. You feel the effects of sin. And that might be where you're at in your life, too. You feel the effects of brokenness and sin in your life. Either way, sin is there to destroy you from the inside out and slowly kill you. But that would be our fate, except for Jesus. Our fate, except for Jesus, would be to live in that and die and try to figure out how to make this world make sense. But when you accept Jesus, he stops the growth of sin in your life and erases it and begins to knit together the damage inside of you He's arrested sin and death in our lives and instead has offered us a new life. And for you, you've got to choose it. You have to believe. So this is your choice. This is your time. This is your moment to do that. Last week, four people gave their lives to Jesus. Today, people have already given their lives to Jesus, made a recommitment. And now I'm giving you that opportunity to do it as well. Would you close your eyes with me? For those who know Christ, I pray that you would be praying for those who are making a decision right now, that you would participate in me, helping them know that they belong and that their life is about encountering Jesus. For those who want to make a decision, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. It's just talking to God. You can make it your own. You can say however you want. But God is here and he's listening. I'm going to walk you through it. Make this real for yourself. You can say something like this. God, I am broken. I have some things in my life that are keeping me from experiencing you. I believe I can't save myself, but I believe that Jesus Christ can. I believe that on Good Friday, He died and covered me in His sacrifice, His brokenness for my healing. But then on Easter, He rose again. And when he rose up, he changed death for good. And that his new life means my new life. So I choose to follow. I choose to believe in Jesus. Make me new. Make me clean. And I will follow you for the rest of my days. I will live and abide in you. I will do as you ask. me. Amen. For those who have made a decision to do this, this is why we exist. We're driven by new life. We're driven by what you just did. We want to partner with you. Please let us know if you're online, in person. Come talk to us at the Welcome Center or fill out a Connect card. Let us know because we want to walk with you in this. This is what gets us excited. There are those who are following Jesus. And right now, um, celebrating earlier today, and maybe those who have just made a decision, for those of us who know what this new life means, can you just give a shout to God for what he is doing in people's lives? do some more celebrating, and we're going to do that. We're going to celebrate what Jesus is doing in just a moment, but I want to invite you on May 2nd, two weeks from this Sunday, to come back for some baptisms, because we're going to hear the stories of transformation. Almost every year, we have someone who accepted Christ on Easter get baptized two weeks later, but you're going to hear stories from people who have been in hurt and pain and have been transformed by God. If you want to get baptized, it's time to sign up today. Sign up in all those ways that we already have talked about. Sign up to get baptized and we'll pair you with someone where you get to share your story and then we're going to get together in two weeks and get excited. I always do this because Easter is so much fun but I want to not have a a low after Easter. I want to just have more highs so I'm going to go to the place where we celebrate the new life that we have found. So get baptized. What we're going to do right now is we're going to continue to worship God. If something has hit you in your heart and you felt something about what God is doing or maybe you just accepted, it is time to celebrate that what Jesus did is stop death in its tracks. And because of that, we have new life. So will you stand with me as we worship? Will you stand with me as we prepare? Will you prepare your hearts to dive in fully because we're not done celebrating Jesus?
0: Once again, thank you for listening to this message. And we pray that it um, has hit you well, that you have encountered Jesus. And if you did uh, for the first time or uh, maybe in a brand new way, would you please let us know? And the best way to do that is by going to our now page, www.lifechurchcanton.org slash now. And on that page right at the top, there's an opportunity to click on a button that says Connect Card. And uh, you can fill out that information. Let us know a little bit about yourself and how we can help you take your next steps. Uh, But we do encourage you to to fill that out so that we can be in touch with you and we can help you walk this journey, uh, not completely by yourself, but in community with others. Um, Even if that means uh, from a distance digitally, uh, we have ways uh, for us to walk alongside you in that way too. So thank you again for joining us. Happy Easter. Um, We hope to see you and connect with you very soon.